power of Christ, Carl. Point Break or Bad Boys 2? Which one do you think I prefer? No, I mean, which one do you want to watch first? This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. Hello, and welcome to Better Late Than Never, a movie podcast where I invite a friend to watch a blockbuster, cult favorite, or otherwise culturally significant film that they've never seen before. After we watch the movie, my guest will decide if it was better late, that they've been missing out by not having seen the film, or never. The movie just didn't live up to the hype for them. My name is Dave, and I'm your host. Today, I am joined by my returning friend, Drew, and we're going to be discussing a movie that he's never seen before, Point Break, from 1991. Drew! Welcome back, dude! Always a pleasure. So, dude, you never seen Point Break? I've never seen Point Break. Dude, this was on TV every day when we were growing up. And somehow I completely missed that, apparently. Like, basically... My schedule, Monday to Friday, during the school week, was come home from school, turn on TV, there's an hour of Full House, an hour of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Star Trek The Next Generation, and then there's a movie. And that movie was always Point Break. It was always Point Break. (laughs) It was always on. Wow. So I can't believe you never see it. Do do you know anything about this film, dude? I know very little about this film. Well, Well, so what do you know? Okay. What do you think you know? I think I know that this film is a surfing uh, style uh, film, so many folks are surfing. Okay. Um, Now, honestly, before we began this process and identified this as one of these films I've never seen, uh, that's pretty much all I knew about it. Yeah. Yeah, and now uh, I happen to know that this is also a cop movie, Uh, and I only know that because we were led here by uh, a discussion stemming from my viewing of the Beverly Hills Cop film. Right, so our watching today, this is, uh, we're now finally getting into having had enough episodes that we are doing episodes inspired by previous episodes where it's come out in conversation that you haven't seen for example point break yes and it's the exact reaction that this podcast is designed to address you haven't seen point break and folks it's getting meta yeah yeah i like it though all right well so let's see if we can maybe coax a little bit more out of you who do you think is in this movie I know that Keanu Reeves is in this movie. Okay. Anyone else? I have no idea. No one else. Okay. Um, do you know of any, like, quotes from the movie? 
No. Any actions from the movie, like any specific like images or anything that a person might do? Not really, other than the surfing. And I have a vague image of Keanu Reeves in a Teflon vest. You mean a Kevlar vest? A uh, Kevlar vest, sure. Because a Teflon vest would mean that he's like making flapjacks. Oh, uh, so he's in, he's in a bulletproof vest, you say? Yes, at some point he's in a bulletproof vest, and I I'm sure sun shades as well for a lot of the film. Okay, for so a lot of the film. That's the count that as a prediction for our later section. All right, so he's in a he's in the vest and shades for a lot of the film. Well, I mean, what do you think Keanu gets up to? Um, he surfs. Yeah, walks around on the beach. I mean, what do you think? He's a cop. What do you think he's trying to do? Um, why is he surfing? So is it surfing cop? He's at some point it's surfing cop. I think we're going to see some surfing cop uh, kind of action and. Uh, He's trying to bust uh, drug dealers is my my uh, other prediction in terms of what kind of cop activity we're looking at. Right. Okay. Okay. So, all right. Well, we've already established that you didn't watch enough TV in the afternoon after school. Yeah, so. I didn't. But is, is there any movie where, like, that that was that movie for you where you saw it on TV a lot? It's like, gosh, this movie is on all the time. All the time. Um. There were a few. I'm trying to think. Um, like Cocoon. And oh like, yes, Cocoon uh, is on a lot. Right. Uh, trying to think of what else. Um, that Ewok, that Star Wars Ewok movie. These are Disney Channel movies for sure. Well, I, it's always yeah. the second one though, right? The Battle for Endor. Yes, always the second they one. They never played the first one. It was always the second one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Battlefrender is the better one, in my opinion, because darker and more violent. Yeah, that's right. Do you know? Do you, have you seen the first one? Yes, yes. So you know the thing about the first one leading into the second one and how messed up it is. Um, remind me. Okay, well, spoilers for the two Ewoks movies in the Star Wars universe. So look how far out we are right now. This I know. Well, you don't know a lot about the movies, so we <laughs> yeah. we can afford to kill some time. This is great. Um. <laughs> Ewoks one, the caravan of courage. Uh, sorry, Ewoks one, the caravan of courage is wait, just the name. <laughs> oh my God, I'll pronounce it right. I'm sorry. The caravan of courage is about this family. It's a father, a mother, a boy, and a girl. They crash land on Endor, yeah. and right away, the mom and the dad are kidnapped by this giant, right? So the two kids, the boy and the girl, meet up with the Ewoks, and they form the Caravan of Courage, where they have to like go on this trek to save the parents from the giant monster. And that's the whole movie, is the boy, the brother, and the sister saving the mom and the dad. And at the end, they succeed, and the family's reunited. Hooray! Movie two. The movie starts, the mom, the dad, and the brother, the little boy, they are killed immediately. At the very beginning. They wow. they die right away. It's wow. the first scene of the movie is all of them die, rendering the entire first movie pointless. Wow. 
Like, you spent all this time. I mean, the parents, I guess it's like whatever, but the brother, you spent a whole movie getting to know this kid. No, Disney is great at this. It's Just like if in Empire Strikes members. Back, they'd killed off everyone but Luke. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, that's the deal with Ewoks. And I guess now we'll get back to the movie at hand. And back to our regularly scheduled programming. Which is um, Point Break. Point Break. Yes. All right. So has are you coming in, before we watch this movie, are you coming in with any hype? None whatsoever. Other than, I mean, seriously, this is a movie that missed me. Like, I... I, I didn't. So you haven't even heard people talking about this? No. I've mean, never seen another movie reference it? Uh, I think that I have, but my exposure to the movie has been so limited that it's just been over my head. Like, I, I, I'm familiar with the name of the movie. I've heard it mentioned and referred to, but not in a context where it was so central to what was being discussed, where I was like, oh, that's a movie that I'm now interested to know more about. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So you're going in with uh, basically a big blank, and that's okay. We're going to get a you know, a pretty pure movie-watching experience out mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. So other things that I predict to be true about this film going in. Uh, first, let's talk about the era, right? I mean, it's a 90s. Early 90s. Early 90s film. Um, so... My sense is that uh, timeline-wise, this was made before The Matrix, but after Bill and Ted, right? Am I correct about that? You are correct, yes. And, you know, I my initial impression of the film was all I had to go by was this is some kind of surfer film. I didn't even know it was involving cop plot. Mm-hmm. I, I only, this was a spoiler that came to me as we were having our conversation so i have it now but before then i was thinking this would be more like you know keanu reeves being keanu Hmm. and you know uh one prediction i have is he's gonna say whoa i actually have that as a prediction he's gonna say whoa at some point and his keanu you know way that he does his dulcet uh his dulcet whoa his dulcet whoa if you will um you know I, i i kind of had in my mind's eye like a live action Ninja Turtles where only the, mm. you know, the, the character, the main character is Keanu Reeves. There's not four of him. He's not a turtle or ninja or mutant. I don't know if he's teenage or not, but he's definitely saying things like tubular and maybe Kawabunga that might be pushing it. Okay, so back up. So this is going to be like a live action Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Except. Instead of four Ninja Turtles, there's just one. Yeah, okay. And okay, instead so, of being turtles, yeah. it's just a dude. Yeah. And instead of being ninjas, he's not a ninja. Basically, he just says, whoa, and tubular. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's the early 90s. It's not a bad call. He might be eating pizza, too. Oh, I yeah, mean, I could the, write that one down. Let's make that a formal prediction. We're going to see Keanu scarfing a slice, brah. Can I also say, you've heard the word tubular, right? Oh, yeah. So, when I was in fifth grade, right? So, was at 12 years old? So, we're talking mid-90s. Yeah. Um, we're in class. I'm in my fifth grade class. And somehow, we got on the topic of slang. And, you know, my teacher's talking about how cool didn't always used to mean what cool means now. It used to mean, like, it's cold outside, right? And she's like, you know, do you kids know any other, like, slang terms? And people were talk- tossing out, like 
whatever was going around then, you know, in old stuff, you know, there's some like some groovies out there too. And so in the middle of this conversation, I yell out tubular and like everyone stops. The class goes silent and everyone turns and looks at me and my teacher's like tubular. Dave, that doesn't, that just means that something is a tube. Look. And then she drew like a tube on the board and I was like, what? What? And no one in the class backed me up. Every single, wow. like a class of like 25 kids, all the same age. They fucking knew <laughs> that that was a thing. They were just embarrassing me for no reason. Well, no one's, I've never heard that before, Miss Conley. Like, no, they were just sitting back and watching the show as this teacher totally out of the loop was like trying me to no humiliate reason. you. No reason. Because, simply because she wasn't cool enough to know this line. It was very much not a tubular thing to do Mm-mm. anyway so that I, I have a lot of weird associations with that word not groovy okay sorry. <laughs> drew that's not a slang word that just means that there's a groove in that the there's ground. a groove let, in me, it. let me draw it let for me you draw a board. groove for you yeah. here's a vinyl record this you see those <laughs> i should <clears throat> anyway please go on oh right enough so... about my childhood traumas <laughs> yeah Back to our predictions about our uh, our favorite film, Point Break. So, uh, you know, now I understand that it's a cop movie, and and you've heard some of my predictions there. I think we're going to see some drugs involved. Okay. Um, the bad guys of Focus, I believe, will be drug dealers. Um, I expect you asked about uh, actions in the movie. Knowing what I do, I fully expect there to be gunfire while surfing oh okay um i would not be surprised if we encounter some corrupt cops in the plot um we should given the early 90s time and the the content uh and style of this film we should be seeing some gratuitous bikini babes oh sure 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 like uh, baywatch style and uh I predict there will be a love interest for Keanu and that someone will die while they're in the water at the beach. Someone will die while in the water. Now, uh, do you have anything more to say or predict about the love interest for Keanu Reeves? What's she going to be like? What role will she play in the plot? Okay, good questions. I hadn't thought about this, but let's let's go with she's. She's somehow mixed up with the drug dealers in a tangential, nowhere near all in way. Okay. So she's fallen in with the wrong crowd, but she's a good girl, actually. So she winds up being, um, you know, something approaching an informant when Keanu is able to charm her. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um... Now, I have a question. Uh, now, we're doing this episode because, uh, as we mentioned previously, it came up during a previous episode. Yeah. Do you remember the context in which this movie came up in the previous episode? Because that in itself would form a little bit of a plot prediction. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it was in the context of us talking about 90s cops films. Um. Mm. Maybe not. We were talking about the plot of another movie. If you don't remember, that's okay. I, you know, 
I mean, I, I listen to these like five times because I edit them and love the sound of my own voice. So, yeah, it what else you got? It seems like, uh, what epi- that was the Beverly Hills Cop episode where we talked about that? It was a different one. Okay. Well. Do you want me to tell you? I do, and I want the audience to hear it so that they go and watch that other episode. It's We discussed Point Break during the Fast and Furious episode. Yes. Okay. All right. Because yes. I I mentioned it as having having the same actor. Do you, I I can tell you, and it'll be spoilery, or I can not tell you, and you can go in fresh. Let's go in fresh. Okay. I mean, coming out the other side, I think you're gonna realize what the connection is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They have really souped up su- surfboards <laughs> that use NOS. Oh, Michelle Rodriguez is in this, isn't she? No. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's too bad. Isn't she in another Surfer movie, though? Oh, I do not know. Uh, she totally is. Is, is. is she in Blue Crush? That might be the one. I know Jessica Alba's in that, right? Yeah. Or is that Kate Bosworth? No, Jessica Alba's the one in Blue in Blue Crush. Gosh. I haven't actually seen it. So I haven't I'm seen any of these Surfer movies. I do know that there is a, there is a Michelle Rodriguez featuring. You know what's a fun surfing movie? Psycho Beach Party. Ooh, yes. That's right. That's a wacky one. Yeah. And I have seen that. I think we've seen that together. Maybe. That's a random one. Um, yeah. All right. So what else you got? You got it. We've been somehow we actually managed to go on a really long time. What, yeah. You got any more predictions? No, indeed. That is it. All right. Well, Ready to go. With only four or five long tangents, we've managed to come to the end of part one. Drew, you ready to watch Point Break? I am. Well, let's fucking do it, dude. Woo. Whoa. The ultimate rush is nothing that comes close to it. Not even sex. We are the ex-president. Total commitment. It's a real thin line between life and death. I'm not a crook. It's not tragic to die doing what you love. If you want the ultimate, you gotta be willing to pay the ultimate price. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, and please don't forget to vote. You want to nail the bank robbers and be a big hero? Definitely. The ex-presidents are surfers. You're trying to tell me the FBI is going to pay me to learn to surf. Fear causes hesitation. Hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. We'll take you to the edge. Past gonna be a great day johnny the taxpayers of lancet utah they knew that they were paying a federal agent to surf and pick up girls babes big one the correct term is babes sir neither one of you have anything even remotely interesting to tell me caught my first tube this morning point break oh yeah so dude what'd you think of that totally tubular movie (laughs) bro it was radical (laughs) but uh yeah seriously what did you think yeah uh so um it, it was an enjoyable 90s 
very 90s <laughs> very <movie. laughs> very very 90s yes yeah. i i think it uh it exceeded my expectations in terms of sheer just like action flick enjoyment that's good yeah that's good right on all right well we'll get into that in more detail in a little bit first drew let me tell you about the background for this movie so number one Everyone had to learn how to surf. So Mm. the three leads especially. So you have Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, and Lori Petty is Tyler. Yeah. They trained with a professional surfer in Hawaii for two months before Mm. they did the movie. The pro who trained them said that um, in terms of their skill levels, Patrick Swayze had done it a few times. Keanu Reeves had never done it before, and Lori Petty had never been in the ocean before. Wow. Yeah. And so, apparently, it was really hard for all of them. Uh, Patrick Swayze cracked four ribs Oh, while uh, trying to shoot the scenes, but uh, he kind of took... He, he, he refused to use a stunt double as much as, we, as he could, so he, he was really intense about it, and in fact... He did all the skydiving scenes himself, mm. and um, he wound up making 55 jumps in order to make the movie. Wow. That's pretty pretty badass. That's a lot of jumps. You ever been skydiving? No, I haven't. Think you're ever going to do it? Uh, I would like to, yes. I did it once. It's fun. Yeah? Would you recommend it? I'd recommend it when you're 20. Okay. Uh, I don't, like... I mean, I suppose it doesn't make a difference how old you are, really, but I was braver back then. Yeah, right so, on. But anyway, yeah, but in all seriousness, yeah, do it once. It's okay. fun. And, cool. you know, especially depending on where you are, it's very beautiful. Yeah. And um, I guess to what, uh, one thing that this movie does a good job of re- bringing to life and realizing is that um, you reach terminal velocity very fast. So except for the very first few seconds of it you don't actually feel like you're falling and it's that weightlessness for me anyway, speaking purely for myself. Um, that is a huge part of the appeal. Yeah. And you might not, you might not think about that. So, but this movie on this movie really really, demonstrates that really well. Very well. Right. You get these scenes where they're, you know, you have them suspended and kind of floating and doing the acrobatics and, and also just kind of really uh, like, well, at least in Bodhi's case, being very blissed out and in the moment about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that's precisely the kind of enjoyment I'd be going for in going skydiving. Well, then maybe you should try it. Yeah. I think I might like to. They had the movies selling me on it, too. So. It does a good job of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's a good move- moment to uh, go on to the next section, which is talking about the director. Okay. And the directing. So this movie was directed by Catherine Bigelow. Do you know her? Is she related to... No, I'm not going to go there and talk about the male gigolo, you know? <laughs> just, just, I guess I did. No, I'm not familiar with the... Okay. Well, um, she directed... Here's a few of her movies. She did K-19, The Widowmaker. Okay, I'd never heard of that. That sounds hilarious. <laughs> it, it's like a... It's a submarine movie. Okay. Um, Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, wait. When you said K-19, I was thinking K-9. <laughs> the Widowmaker. Like so it's, it's a like sla- another Teenage Mutant Ninja like Turtles. A werewolf. A teenage K-9 
K nineteen. Who's killing people? Yeah. Okay. I can see I can see how that might even be a better movie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I call classic, if you will. And uh she's probably at this point best known for making the Hurt Locker. Okay. There's one that I'm familiar with. You seen it? Uh no, I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, um she made the Hurt Locker in twenty ten and that is the movie that beat Avatar, the James Cameron movie, oh, for Best Picture. Right. Uh, James Cameron is her ex-husband. Oh. And I can... He, he's uh, an executive producer of this film, in fact. But oh. I seri- I don't have any idea what their relationship is. And sure. I assume it's cordial. Yeah. Hopefully. But um, honestly, I can't think of any better possible sticking it to your ex moment than beating them at, for Best Picture at yeah. the Oscars. I think she beat him for best director too. Anyway, um, so what do you think of the directing? Yeah, I um, it, it exceeded my expectations, and that um, you know that speaks to what I said at the beginning of it. Overall, being more enjoyable than I thought, but the quality of the the directing was surprisingly good. I thought. Yeah, uh, I there's a certain extent to which I have trouble pinpointing anything specific about the movie that does it and yet it engenders these really warm feelings in me Mm. i think at one point while we were watching this i wrote down this movie is really good at making itself memorable and that's i sort of think what it is she is very clever about using very simple and cheap uh ideas and effects that are still really striking so, you know, like the skydiving is very memorable and yes. striking and like, uh, we'll talk about it later, but her use of the lawnmower during that action sequence, yeah. it's like, it's not an expensive thing. It's not an explosion right. or a special effects. It's just she, it's a really memorable fight scene because of the way she integrates this lawnmower into the fight. Right. Just, well, and that lawnmower plays a role pretty much the whole scene. It's like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It keeps coming back. Yeah. So, and we'll get into that in more detail then, but I think it just speaks to her skills as a director that she takes this, you know, it's a low budget, silly action movie, and yet she consistently finds ways to make it stand out. Yeah. And be different. Yeah, that's true. Those are the, those, uh, the lawnmower is creative. Yeah. 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 Maybe we'll mention a few of those things as we go. Well, anyway, let's talk about the cast a little bit. We're going to save the, uh, main man for last because we're gonna talk about him in some depth but let's talk about the other main man let's start with patrick swayze as Bodie, aka ronald reagan um what'd you think do you first of all how familiar are you with patrick swayze well uh yeah i'm i know dirty dancing um mm-hmm. i've seen that very good um he's also known for red dawn okay ghost I- Oh yes, of course, Ghost. Yes, Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Yes, that's right. I've seen him in Roadhouse. Yeah, and he's also in Donnie Darko. Oh, remind me who he is in Donnie Darko. I think he's the like the the speaker guy who the moms are obsessed with the like. Okay, uh, Tony Robbins type like, guy. Yeah, like who a motivation. A child porn addict or right. something. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh wow. Yeah. Um. 
to be honest for my for my sake uh, other than this movie and donnie darko i haven't seen any of those other ones oh I see. so i guess all of those are like stay tuned for me yeah absolutely you need to see dirty dancing do i you do it's actually pretty good <sighs> all right well anyway what do you think of his work in this movie i thought he he was good i mean um bodhi's a cool character bodhi's a cool character and it he's an interesting character because he's i mean he's he's the villain yeah but he's a spiritual man he's a spiritual man you spend more of the film like like zenning out on the waves with him man than you do like finding yourself worried about his criminal exploits you see why Keanu Reeves is seduced by him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Bodhi's definitely a memorable character. He's a cool villain. The Bodhisattva. That's right. Uh, Patrick Swayze said he liked the character because he felt that they had a lot in common. They both shared that, quote, wild man edge. <laughs> I also want to toss out that, that the year this movie came out in 1991, Patrick Swayze was voted people magazine's sexiest man alive yeah that that sounds about right rightly so my goodness yeah he's very attractive <laughs> yeah but you know who's not attractive unless you're into that gary Busey. gary Busey. i'm sorry <laughs> gary Busey. i'm also not sorry because you know whatever but what'd you think of gary Busey? did you know he was in this movie i mean i, know I you didn't, didn't but <laughs> it's uh, you know even though i have complicated feelings about him as a man i tend to always kind of smile on the inside when i see him pop up in a film well there's something there's something comical about the like the washed up cop and he also just of... to every role he has he brings this wacko intensity yeah that's consistently pretty funny right yeah. he's he, he's a he's typecast into those archetypes pretty much yeah. you know what to expect when he comes on there's a certain aura yeah and it's a good one yeah i'm usually you know usually pretty happy with his performances if only he was a better human being anyway i'm referring to him appearing in a very anti-semitic film is why i have uh, uh some bad feelings towards him but I anyway see. we then have Lori petty as tyler what did you think of her did um, you know Lori petty from anything I she looks familiar, but no. I only know her from this, and she's also in Tank Girl. You ever see Tank Girl? I never saw Tank Girl. Yeah, so I never she saw plays, it either. She I just is know that she's Tank, Tank Girl. Girl. She's yeah. Tank Girl. Interesting. No, um, I thought she did a pretty good job in this. Yeah, I like her in this. Yeah, I mean, she's she's cute for the role, and she, I think she plays the like. Obviously, one of the most interesting moments between her and our main character is when he chooses to manipulate her at the beginning. Right. He and, gets into her good side by uh, saying his parents also died. Yes. And so he knows her parents died. I think she plays the her portrayal of being disarmed by that and then also coming on to being on to him about it later on. I liked those turns. I think she did a really good job uh, kind of going from someone who didn't really give a shit about this guy to, oh, 
opening you know, up opening up and yeah. then you know that just makes the fact of the betrayal so much worse yeah it does it does and she plays it well and in, in all of that yeah you can see just how deeply wounded she is yeah rightly so again um yeah i i i like her in this i think she had an outsized impact on me you know i must have seen this movie when i was like an adolescent so i think the type of person she is in the movie like she's this spunky tough talking and you know she's a surfer girl like it had a very strong impact on like what i found attractive from Mm. that point on you know Mm. like a very powerful impact on me cool yeah all right well then just a couple other honorable mentions i want to toss out john c mcginley as the fbi director i fucking love that guy oh yeah yeah he is good and he he makes a very straight-laced uh character quite amusing he does because he, he goes so over the top with he's it. over the top he's outrageous with this character his shouting is so funny yeah um and then lastly we have anthony kiedis as tone <laughs> oh my goodness i was so thrilled to see anthony kiedis i thought you might be <laughs> that was great and he's just this like he's tone he's tone he's tone do you remember how he goes down to uh all right we'll double back to it don't worry all right so before we launch into the plot we now have to turn back and get back to our star keanu reeves yes fbi agent johnny utah (laughs) what a name what a name and it's hilarious when he introduces himself it's we're five minutes into the film when he's saying my name is johnny utah and he's such a johnny utah and he's such a johnny utah yeah, fucking football player, golden boy, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, all right. Drew, what do you think of Keanu Reeves? What do I think of Keanu Reeves? Yeah, I mean, obvi- I'm not even going to ask if you're familiar with him because obviously you are. Indeed. What do I think? All right, okay. let, me, let, me, let me put it to you this way. Mm. For f- the next few minutes, this podcast is going to turn into a different podcast. It's going to be called... Is Keanu Reeves a good actor cast? Mm, mm. And we're going to nail this down. Drew, what do you think? Is Keanu Reeves a good actor? Okay, so when you first asked me my opinion of Keanu Reeves, what I was going to do is lay out the fact that he has this reputation for being a bad actor. Mm -hmm. And my opinion of him is heavily influenced by that stereotype. I enjoy engaging with the stereotype yeah i enjoy poking fun at at keanu's you know being a bad actor because in in some of his films he's he's pretty terrible i would argue maybe especially in this one <laughs> but also especially not as complicated we'll it's, get to yeah it. You, you please continue for you though. i'm gonna say i don't think he was terrible in this in this film there there are times when he's he, you know there are times when he delivers lines and they're poorly delivered but i was surprised i i actually i didn't think his performance in this role was so bad right on right on well here's why i ask that question specifically i used to be of the school that keanu reeves is a bad actor just full stop and you know like i appreciated that he was in some movies that I liked a lot, and I, like you, had a lot of fun making fun of him and his Keanuisms. You know. Yeah. Whoa. 
Whoa. whoa. And, and whoa came... Well, so it was a different whoa. We, we can explore that later. Right. But. but then if, uh, a couple of things happened in quick succession. Number one, uh, I saw John Wick and liked it a lot and thought he was good in it. And then he was also in like a whole bunch of movies around that same time that were interesting choices for him and i thought he wasn't bad in so i'm talking about like the neon demon and knock knock and these kind of they seemed like offbeat choices and i sort of liked his work in them and then i read an article this article was called the grace of keanu reeves by angelica jade bastien and it was in an online site called uh bright wall dark room which i recommend to people who like film what this article argued is that Keanu Reeves is actually a good actor. Mm. And I thought its argument was pretty interesting and compelling. So I'm going to I'm not going to do the whole thing of it, but I'm going to give you a few of the uh, highlights here. Okay. Uh, or parts that stuck out to me anyway. So here's what uh, Angelica Jade Bastien had to say. Keanu Reeves is at his most powerful when film is at its most elemental. Like a silent film actor, Keanu has immense screen presence and a keen understanding of communicating story through physicality. Mm. A simple glance or curled lip can unfurl lengthy character history or un upend expectations. She goes on to talk about how he has a transfixing stillness and that a uh, hallmark of his performances are he tones down the theatricality of the performance because he's being looked at by a camera so you know you don't have to be playing for the seats in the back the less you know, less is more when mm. a camera's on you right and so in this in this way Keanu Reeves might seem like he's doing nothing but even when he's doing nothing his your eye is still drawn to him mm. you know and so uh at this point she admits that there's a, because that's his style there can be a huge gap between the quality of performances. Uh, you know, his good performances are good, but his bad ones are obviously very bad. But she says um, part of that is because his failed performances are those that push him towards a theatricality that goes against his natural instincts. I like that. As an actor. Yeah. And so what she's, I think a good example of what she's talking about would be him in Dracula. Have you seen him in Dracula? I haven't, no. This was a widely derided performance, like famously mm. terrible performance. And it is indeed one that calls for him to be much more theatrical yes. and playing for the cheap seats. You know, and that just isn't him. Right. You know? So, yeah, the article goes on and it's very interesting and I highly recommend it. But she says that basically the hallmarks of a good Keanu Reeves performance are a command of physicality and a very good use of stillness to um, his best performances tend to suggest a lot of loneliness on the inside mm -hmm. and kind of related to that, but a little different is um, what she calls a peculiarly vulnerable masculinity. So he's an action hero, but he's one who's capable of being wounded both physically and emotionally. Yeah. And I think you can see that, especially being the case with his character in John Wick, right? Where he's a badass, no doubt, but he goes into the movie emotionally crippled, and also he gets physically pretty fucked up throughout the whole thing, too, and it just makes for a very compelling performance from him. Mm -hmm. So that's our argument there. So, Drew, I bring it back. Is Keanu Reeves a good actor? I think I have to agree with the 
with the argument that you just laid out. I mean, I think he's an actor with strength in a certain context when those traits that were just described as strengths of his right. and keep in mind work. too that like you so you see that in this movie right this comes out in 91 coming on the heels of the 80s when action heroes were much more typically like your schwarzeneggers and your stallone right like, over the top a little bit more in your face you much know. more aggro masculine yeah although keanu has his moments in this movie which we'll get to <laughs> But uh, vulnerability is not something you would call part of those action uh, hero tropes. No, from not the at 80s all. That he's contrasted with. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, all that being said, and all that I agree with to a point, I do sometimes think that the, basically, if the material doesn't match what he's doing, he. He's great in his element, but outside his element, he can be quite bad. Awkward. Yeah, and in this movie, I think you see both the best and the worst from him. Like, there are some moments where everything that she wrote about in the article is is working and clicking and firing on all cylinders. Yes. That's true. Then there are some times where his line deliveries are just like, who is this airheaded doofus? Who yeah. is this plank of wood they got to read off a cue card? Like, it, right. you get both Keanu's in this movie. Yes, and they yet both it show still up. works because the bad Keanu is so perfect for this movie. Yes, that's right. The movie doesn't doesn't need to take itself so seriously Not that he all. needs to show up as that one Keanu every time. <laughs> right. Like in the first scene, you get Keanu in the rain and you're kind of like, oh, God, is he going to be some dip? And he's he's not really. He's a lot more fun than that. I am an FBI <laughs> agent. <laughs> that line is like, why is this line even in there? And what what was the intelligence of saying that in the van? Well, it's just trying to get across uh, the predicament, you know? Well, I think this is a good moment to bring it back to talking about the plot of the movie itself. Yeah. And to get into your predictions from part one, among them, quotes. Yes. Were there any quotes that you picked up during the movie I think the I am an so, FBI agent is one. This movie is incredibly quotable. Which ones did you quotable. recognize? Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> which um, ones did you recognize? Which Jesus. ones did I recognize? I, I didn't really recognize any. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I can't say that. Uh, I can't say that I did. Not even. So you're telling me the FBI agents. The, you're telling me. The FBI is going to teach me how to... Oh, hold no, on, no. Let me you mean to tell me the FBI is going to pay me to learn to surf? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I mean... It was always in the commercial. It was in the commercial. I think, like, my in the back of my brain, I recall that line echoing from the commercial. Mm -hmm. But that's about it i guess a vague recollection of that all right well then we'll just we'll point out our favorite quotes as the movie goes on in our recap here so let's start off by acknowledging your prediction that this would be a surfing movie correct drew yes you are also correct this is a cop movie yes it is in fact a surfing cop movie yes way to go dude you did think it was about trying to bust drug dealers though which was not the case. Oh, it's bank robbers, dude. Bank robbers. Yeah, the the ex presidents. The ex presidents. Cool gimmick. Yeah. Cool gimmick. If you were an ex president today, what president do you think you would be? Um, as a bank robber character. Yes. Um. Mm, Any president. Probably Lincoln. Oh, honest Abe. 
All right, cool, cool. I'd, I'd do TR. Okay. I think Teddy Roosevelt is a, a, a that's good, a, a good yeah, face for a, a bank robbery. That's true. You carry a big stick, right? Damn right. <laughs> All right. And so um, you predicted, too, that drugs would be involved, the bad guys would be drug dealers. Uh, not quite right, although there were some tangentially related drug dealers or drug addicts. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't really central to the plot. No, no, not really. But, Drew, you did predict that Keanu Reeves would at some point wear a bulletproof vest. He did. He did, although as a bank robber, not as a cop. Right, which was um, ironic to the prediction. Right. Uh, he did not wear shades for most of the film. He didn't. He, he wore... He wore shades seldom. But he said whoa, sort of. He said whoa for sure, but it wasn't the tone that, it wasn't the whoa. I know. It wasn't the classic Keanu whoa. It was more of a Bill and Ted whoa. Sure. It was, uh, because it it was him and Busey, wasn't it? Both going, whoa! Or was it uh, McKinley? It came off like a Bill and Ted moment is what I'm trying to say. Okay, okay. So whoa was in there, but it wasn't as predicted. You thought it would be a pretty typical early 90s film? I feel like my prediction is both correct and... Oh, I thought it was super correct. Yeah, well, it's a, it, it's a, it has its surprises, though. You know, I, I didn't feel like I was watching a total trope. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was, like, distracting. Yeah. But as a child of the 90s, I just recognized so much. Right. Yeah. That's true. That's what I was... Yeah, the flavor is distinctly we'll, 90s. We'll talk a little bit more about the 90s-ness uh, in a little bit. But uh, to finish out your predictions, Drew, uh, it, I, I don't think it was really a live-action Ninja Turtles thing. No. No, it wasn't. There was, however, some gunfire. It was not while surfing. That would have been amazing. That's true. She should have included that. There was, should have. there was some handling of the gun during the skydiving scenes. Yeah, so th- I'll call that like maybe a, a third of a, a win. Yeah. Because there, there was Partial gun- credit. There was gun action to a point while doing an extreme sport. Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay. I'm categorically there. <laughs> uh, Drew, no corrupt cops. No corrupt cops. But there were gratuitous bikini babes. Yes, there were. And I wanted to predict the appearance of a thong at some point, but did not. Yet there was the appearance of a thong. You were absolutely right. There was a thong in the movie. You were also right that there'd be a love interest for Keanu, who would be mixed up with the the bad guys, so to speak, but not all in. And yep. that she would serve kind of as an informant, or maybe in the case of how the actual movie played out, a way in yeah. for Keanu. I think you're pretty dead on on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, maybe a little sketchy around the edges of the details, but like in spirit, you were correct. Yeah, absolutely. Your last prediction was that someone would die in the water. Did that happen? Well, let's see what we think when we get to talking about the ending of the movie. Mm-hmm. Last thing I want to mention before we launch into the recap proper to get to focus you on what brought this up in a previous podcast, it was when we were doing the Fast and the Furious, I referred to what was going on there as kind of a point break scenario where our hero, Paul Walker, is a police officer or FBI agent who goes undercover with a crew, maybe a crew with a charismatic leader who he falls in with and gets too close to and starts to lose his perspective a little bit. Yes. Maybe he likes them too much. 
I called it like a point break thing and you didn't know what I was talking about. So that's there you go. Okay. Right. That's the thing. And that's kind of the thing about point break. I mean, that's a plot that exists in plenty of movies, but when things get parodied, they always do it. I think the point that the point break way, I see, you know, the, the spiritual Bodhi leader is usually the source of the parody. This is a heavily parodied movie. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, the movie begins we get some pretty dope shots of some surfing. Bodhi's out there catching some waves. Well, at the same time, Keanu, sexy-ass young Keanu Reeves, is sitting on the hood of his car out in the rain for some reason. Getting all wet. Why is he just sitting in the rain? I know his he's at the FBI doing his shooting course, and that's in the rain. But he could have waited in the car. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe he wanted to get used to it. I don't know. Um... <laughs> Just an excuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we get a bank robbery by the ex-presidents, establishing what our uh, our bad guys are going to be. And I got to say, um, it's a pretty pro robbery. Yeah, These it is. These guys know their stuff. Yep. So the ex-presidents are, they're called that because there's four dudes. They're all wearing the masks of, at the time, con- relatively contemporary ex-presidents. So you got Ronald Reagan, Lyndon Johnson. Um, Nixon. Nixon and I have to say some great use of the I am not a crook quote. Yes. I mean this movie was probably written around that joke. It's so good. Yeah. Someone yeah. had the what if someone robbed a bank in a Nixon mask and said I am not a crook on his way out. Brilliant. Make that movie. Yes. It's not a movie, it's a joke. I said make that movie. <laughs> and they did. And it was great. <laughs> uh and then wait, was the last one. Carter? I forget who the last one is. Me too. All right. Well anyway, fourth president. One of the caretaker presidents that no one remembers. <laughs> and uh, the, the the thing about them is that they're super quick. They, they're in and out in 90 seconds or less. They never hit the vault. Disciplined, fast, good crew for Robin Banks. Yeah. Gary Busey is obsessed with catching them. He's Keanu Reeves' older, grizzled FBI partner who doesn't respect him at first. <laughs> and I love to... So... The two of them aren't getting along at first because you got hotshot Keanu Reeves and old veteran Gary Busey who aren't well matched. And they start getting in each other's face and, you know, fighting a little bit. And Keanu actually drops a, you mad? (laughs) (laughs) You mad, bro? (laughs) You mad, bro? He literally says it just like that. Yeah, he does. And that's when I started really noticing that so much in this movie is solved by toxic masculinity. <laughs> you mad, bro? Well, like, think about it. So, like, Keanu Reeves and his partner aren't getting along, so he solves it by, like, getting them boiling to the point of actually starting to fight a little bit, and that breaks the ice between them, right? Yeah. And then, like, Keanu isn't making friends fast enough, but he gets in a fist fight with Bodhi together, and, like, that And then they become friends. friends. Right? Uh, they're playing football, you know, foot. like becoming friends more by playing fucking football. And then the he beach. tackles Bodie in the Hard. water. Yeah. And Bodie's all about it, <laughs> even though his boys are like, well, you won't, you know, didn't he cross the line? He's like, no. Nah. And don't forget that, uh, you know, the most uh, toxic masculine thing of all is the most important to his plan is that uh, Keanu Reeves manipulates a woman to his own ends. Yes. And it's very effective. Yes. Everything is solved by toxic masculinity in this mm-hmm. movie. Anyway, <laughs> this is where Gary Busey shares his totally crazy theory that the bank robbers might be surfers, and it's pretty far-fetched, but Keanu buys it and decides to go undercover. 
And this is where we get. So you're telling me oh, the yeah, FBI yeah, is going to pay me to learn how to surf? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so he tries for a while. He fails. So he needs to learn how to surf. And this is where we meet Lori Petty. Do you want to talk about this introduction for Lori Petty? Yes. So Johnny Utah meets a uh, young lady who's surfing and he needs to learn how to surf. At first, she's pretty much telling him to screw off and that he doesn't belong there. And he winds up uh, looking her up and uh, finding out a little bit about her, including uh, a number of priors that they have on file for her. But Indecent exposure inside a car. Yes, very intriguing and sexy ones. Um, but uh, part of what they learn is that her parents uh, both died in a car crash, I think it was, when she was younger. That's correct. And or a plane crash? Or a plane crash. It was a vehicle crash of some kind. Hers or plane, his a car, I think. Or vice versa. One of those yeah. two. Anyway, yes, so his is in fact a fabrication. He decides and, and as his uh colleague is going through the options of things from her past they could use, uh Johnny Utah is heard uttering one of his catchphrases. Uh, and he says, Oh, do you want to use that? And he goes yeah, definitely. I mean, it's even colder than that. It's like they're going, they're trying, it's like, I need an angle, something to win her trust. Hold up, hold up, what's this? Her parents both died in a car crash when she was like 12 years old. Oh yeah, this is it. This is what I can use. I can use this. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he's it's so like, enthused about it. Yeah, and it's it's something awful he's about to do. It's just, yeah, it's just... definitely. <laughs> So, yes, he lies to her, uh, concocting a story about his own parents' death when he was younger. and It moves her. It moves her as as he knew it, it would. It would. Yeah. At, at this moment, I wrote down a quote from you, which is from the couch. You said, dude, that's fucking low. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. And, and Yeah, in the moment, it's just like such a breathtaking breach of another person's uh, trust yes. to work on them like that. But anyway, please go on. Uh, yeah. Well, so I mean that that's oh, the okay. main arc of her introduction, I suppose. Yeah. But but I, I you know he she is indeed as predicted his gateway into um, int an introduction with Bodhi. Yeah. Uh, so she she does become that person who you know lets him know who these. Not that he look, knows he's looking for Bodhi yet. Right. He but doesn't she, know she's Bodhi's his window the into the culture. Yeah. Into he, surferdom. He, exactly and his teacher teaching him how to surf he learns to surf so fucking fast in this movie that's right when he gets there they establish they have like what is it a month left before they know the bank robbers are going to leave for this because they only strike during the summer yeah only a month of summer left that's right so he learns how to surf in like a week and then wins over the trust of the bad guys it even less anyway we'll, we'll get to that i want to stay on the scene a little bit though just to one talk about keanu so uh, in the scene, um, he's really laying it on her, and I want to ask about his acting a little bit. Do you do you think he's seductive? Like, absolutely, yeah. yeah. In this like scene, he... absolutely. In fact, I I would say that that scene is by far his best acting in the film. I I, I think he does a really good job of like of putting on that like you know. There's a doofy charm. There's to a it. doofy charm. I'm like. I'm from a small town and I'm here and I don't know what I'm doing and I had this tragedy 
happen that happens to be similar to one that you've experienced, but he he's he's able to deliver it in such a perfect and perfectly believable way. Yeah, uh, the, uh, perfectly believable is a nice way of putting it. I, I was thinking about it as how it's sort of so genuine and surface level that it'd be easy to laugh off, but it's also kind of it's charming and it's naivete like he has in that moment he's so lacking in artifice that you could chalk it up to him being a bad actor but at the same time you think that if you're in this moment and if that is actually working on you that lack of uh guile it could be incredibly effective yes yes because it feels more genuine you believe him yeah yeah there's not really there's no you can't really see an air and you you also even you, if you're looking you for can't one. see him as to a certain extent you can't see him as being smart enough to lie to you right you know so it, you just buy what he's selling because yeah. you know this guy's not going to trick me right he's telling me the truth and this is this truth is very emotionally impactful <laughs> exactly um well cool and and also it doesn't hurt that he's like a very good looking guy and uh yeah you know and he's that. he's he's making you know, he's, some he, puppy dog eye kind he, of. He's stuff making it a sexy on. pitch. Yeah, like he's seducing her both like emotionally and sexually. A little right, bit. and yeah. it's not simply a matter of him explaining that his parents have died as well. He's what he's telling her is that he's he's come to learn how to surf as a mission to find himself to find himself at in the wake of that, and and he he espouses this positive philosophy and that's that's born of like what he's learned from the tragedy of the loss and it's of course that's going to move somebody who's also experienced that pain it's a brilliant pitch yes so the movie goes on we uh we get him learning how to surf in a day in a montage he learns how to surf with a nice uh nice montage yes and uh what do you think of the surfing scenes in this movie uh I mean, as someone who doesn't surf, you know, some of them were pretty impressive. It seemed like they weren't really central until later. There are a couple of, of central surfing scenes, but the the ones towards the end of the film were, excuse me, uh, a little bit more impactful, yeah. I think. I mean, I think they're okay, um, but it's sort of ironic that the the surfing action movie I think doesn't have especially compelling surfing scenes. Right? Yeah, they're they're all right and they're fine, but you know, they don't hurt the movie. I think the skydiving scenes are more compelling than the I surfing scenes. I totally agree. Well, moving on, we've got our incredibly important scene right here because this is where Keanu finally meets Bodie. Hmm. And Bodhi makes an impression so fast. He's so cool. <laughs> the Bodhisattva. Yeah. He's like, he's kind of like the dude, only really cool and ripped. Yeah. Yeah, he, <laughs> you're so chiseled. right. He is like the dude, except he's good looking and he lives life on the fucking edge. Yes, he lives life on the edge. Yeah, I just, I don't know. And of course he knows karate. Right. Like, Bodhi knows karate. Like, you saw those action scenes. Yes. I mean, I know this took place after Roadhouse, so he probably had a reputation for being a karate badass at yep. this point. Um, I also like that um, after Keanu 
has uh, integrated himself into the surfing community. He gets chewed out by his boss, John McGinley, for bringing a surfboard to work in a pretty amusing scene. And then Harry Busey is walking with him through the office. And I've mentioned multiple times when I've noticed people smoking indoors and how weird it is. Those have all been cigarettes. Today is the first time that we got our first indoor cigar. Yes. Wow. And he's there are a couple of scenes where we see him smoking in the station Dude, a cigar. Rude. Yeah. Rude. <laughs> I feel like even back then, a cigarette's one thing. A cigar is a little much. Yeah. Even back then, someone might have told him, hey, this that's a little too much. Yeah. But- but whatever, he's Keanu Reeves, he doesn't care. And that's what makes him cool and attractive, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we learn more about Bodhi. And not only does Bodhi know karate, but he's got his priorities in the right place. Because he helps Keanu Reeves fight off the Nazis, the not the Nazi crew, which includes uh, Anthony Kiedis. And uh, after beating them up, these are like locals who are giving Keanu Reeves some shit, right? Yeah. They fight, they beat them up. And then Bodhi's like, yeah, they're Nazi assholes. And in that moment, I was just like, yeah, man, Bodhi's got his priorities right. Like, yeah, he's a bank robber and people die around him, but, like, he's not a Nazi. He's not a Nazi. That's right. He's just living he's on not, the edge. He's not down with that shit. That's right. I was like, yeah, nice. After this run-in with these Nazis, um, Keanu and Gary Busey decide that the Nazis fit the profile for being the presence. But my question is, do they? No. Yeah. Not smart enough. Right. Not like disciplined or put together. I was like, they really don't. Like, it it seems like such a moment of idiocy on their part. Right. And I feel like that to a certain extent, I'm like, I wonder if this is the kind of mistake that law enforcement would make every day where it's like on paper, it's like these guys have all kinds of priors. They're violent. They're just the kind of guys who would be bank robbers and then not make that like extra logical step of mm. like, yeah, but like, do they have the right character to pull this off in this way? Yeah. 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 It seems like an amateurish mistake to make. I feel like police and, and especially detectives are supposed to be trained and th- these are supposed to be the FBI. Well, hang on, though. One thing that I wrote down, it's somewhere towards the end of the movie. I think it's around where Keanu Reeves has jumped out of an airplane that I wrote down. Oh, yeah. This is his first case. Like, he's fresh out of Quantico. He's just graduated. This is his first case ever. That's a pretty intense one to have. No fucking shit. And he's already rebelling, bringing a surfboard into oh, the station. Way worse than that by the end. Yeah. He destroys his career. <laughs> anyway. Uh, First case, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. <laughs> so, Bodie invites uh, Johnny Utah to a party. Do you want to talk about this party for a minute? I'm trying. The, the, yeah. So, everyone's dancing at this at this party well this was the moment where i felt like it really struck me the 90s it was really 90s yeah because you don't see house parties like that no. quite like that anymore well, not quite like that and also i mean just everything was there like the fashion the way people were talking the way people were dancing yes and also i mean i can't help but reflect on how at least in the early 90s it was Maybe partially as a result of this movie, or maybe this movie was riding that wave. I don't know. 
but there was a period Riding of time that wave did you <sighs> can we just yeah um <laughs> nice there was this moment where somehow surfer culture just became so dominant in the popular culture i yeah. already exp- mentioned my use of the word tubular as a slang word but like you know that like surfer wave talking bra like that southern yeah. california bleach blonde surfer like style and vibe was just so fucking in in the 90s like yeah. the clothes the hair was that was what was it yeah why why how was it this movie was this movie just cashing in on that how did that become so influential yeah it's 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 interesting to wonder how much of it was caused by this film. I, I can't say. I don't know. But um, what's more, I sort of, I feel like this has to be a consequence of being a 90s kid. But to me, I see, so everything about this movie that I associate with the 90s just serves to drive home to me a certain attitude I have about the period, which is that it fucking sucked. Like everything sucked. The fashion sucked, the technology sucked, the cars sucked, everything sucked. You didn't have good TVs, you didn't have good phones, you didn't have good movies, everything was just garbage. But it also is to me the only, to me it's almost like the only era that seems real. Mm. And it's a weird thing to say, but like, I I don't... Yeah, what do you mean when you say that? Because everything that comes before it is sort of history to me. Mm-hmm. And then everything that's come after it that I've actually lived, these times that we live in, feel so strange that I almost can't buy them. Like, I'm like, this is like just a simulation of what the world is supposed to actually be like. Like, the way I described it when we were chatting about it during the movie was the 90s were to me the most modern that the world ever got before modernity started to get weird. Yeah. That's right. Well, it was, it, it was, was before postmodern era. It was, it well, was before. It was before the internet. Yes, and before cell phones, and basically before the revolution t- in telecommunication technology that we have now. That's making the world such a ridiculous and, to a large extent, shitty place to live. It was, and be- it's also responsible for some of the best stuff too. Don't get me wrong. But. Right, but this this was this was before the post truth era. Yeah, and I'm not even just I'm not even talking about that as the entirety of it but just sure you know the 90s were as close as we got to real technological uh utopia before it all came crashing down as an idea right you know i don't know anyway um we get this uh we get this party and then they all decide to go night surfing yeah and we finally get uh a scene where Bodhi lays out his attitude about the world. I also want to mention that at this point in the movie, I can't help but feel like there's a pretty strong homoeroticism between Johnny and Bodhi. Yeah. Did you pick up on that? I can see that. It's especially, there's this one part where during the party, um, it's when uh, Tyler and Johnny are starting to get serious in their conversation. She's like, I can see it in your eyes. Like you got this thing about you. Bodhi senses it too. He can smell it on you. And it right in that moment, Bodhi walks in and he's like, Johnny's got his own demons. Yeah, that's right. Don't you, Johnny? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like there's something so romantic and sexualized about it, you know? Uh, and like throughout the course of the film, even though Tyler is there, she's sidelined for basically the last act of the entire film. Right. She's just a hostage. And two, the real romance is between the Johnny and, and Bodhi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the bromance is so much more central to this film. Yes. Yeah, so there's this is also the moment where uh, Tyler points out, or I should say Lori Petty describes Keanu Reeves, where she says, you usually have this intense sort of scowl on your face. And just like, like he's Like he's concentrating, right? Yeah, yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> so they go night surfing, and Bodhi lays out his Zen view of the world, which is that um, it's not a tragedy to die doing what you love. Oh mm. my God! And uh, isn't that just foreshadowing? Indeed. That was one guy say, "I'm gonna die before I'm 30." I mean, they have such a like live hard, die young attitude, but they're such dumb kids; they don't know what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Lori Petty right. sees it. She's she gets up and says, "There's too much testosterone for me," and leaves. Yeah, that's right. Toxic masculinity all over the place. She sees. She it. calls it out. Yeah. So, Keanu Reeves and Lori Petty, right? Sorry, Johnny and Tyler finally hook up. They wake up on the beach, and Johnny realizes that he's late to his own raid. Do you want to talk about the raid a little bit? This is the raid on the neo-Nazi crew. Which features Anthony Kiedis's tone. Yes. Um, the most notable thing about this is that uh, Anthony, well, in my opinion, Anthony Kiedis gets shot in the foot. And so half the half the time we're hearing him in the background just like wailing about his foot having been shot. Well, it's such a horrific injury to the yeah. way they show it's his a like- white. It's a white like classic 90s Reebok style sneaker that just imagine the whole front toe portion erupting in into, pl- redness. into redness it's, it's so gross. gross it like i i guess they showed it on tv because that always stuck out in my memory about this movie yeah you know it's so horrible. i think he shoots himself in the foot is that by accident oh man oh yeah it's awful um i want to so we were talking about this earlier this i think this action scene shows uh some of Catherine bigelow's skill as a director because Again, it's a pretty good action scene, and there's actually not a ton of, like, big stuff that she uses. She's just pretty creative in how she uses it. So, like, she shows him gearing up, and they have this, like, ridiculous arsenal. Yeah. Which creates a lot of tension before the shooting starts. That's right. And and then we get the lawnmower. And so this is so... This is really clever, the way she uses this thing. She She manages to take... Uh, just a regular ordinary lawnmower and she gets three moments out of it one it's a jump scare johnny utah is getting in position outside the house to raid it and all of a sudden the lawnmower starts and it startles him two he's trying to radio his guys telling them that they're arming up don't show your badge they'll start shooting but no one can hear him because the, the lawnmower's too loud lawnmower's messing it up Three, he's the last guy jumps out a window and they're fighting hand to hand and the lawnmower is right there running and he, Keanu almost gets his face shoved into it. Right. Holy shit. And think about like what an impression that makes on you in the moment. It's just a lawnmower. Yeah. You don't need a car crash or an explosion. All you need is a lawnmower and someone's face near it. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man. 
And, and, and like, you know, the whole time it's like, you know, it is the jump establishes that it's there. Then the noise makes it impactful. And then like, you're remembering it's there when the fight rolls out into the yard. And so you're ready for it. That right. Third time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty clever directing. Also, what a horrible way to go. Yeah, that would be awful. I'm glad we didn't actually see a lawnmower-induced injury in this film. Indeed. Yeah, I think that's potentially last on my list of ways I'd like to die. Mm. Face into lawnmower, or even worse, feet. Feet first. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. So, we get that action scene. We also get uh, Gary Busey calling someone a squid brain. Right, which you uh, mentioned is a particularly 90s phrase. It's just, you wouldn't hear that past 1995. Such a 90s insult. Yeah, there, there was something about calling people a blank brain at yeah. the time that just, it never really worked for me. By the late 90s, we it evolved into things like nipple head. I don't even remember that one. That was from, I think, Blade 2. Well, the Blade movies had their own kind of language, I think. That's true. Suckheads. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just, it's so, like, something about that is just so weak. I mean, just swear. Yeah, just, just swear. Just swear. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> just call that vampire a fuckhead already. <laughs> Honestly. Well, he calls them suckheads. Right, exactly. Okay. Um, So... We get also a pretty cool shot of uh, Johnny and Tyler in bed together. Do you know the one I'm talking about where it's above them looking yes, down? Yes, yeah, very uh, – and, the, and the, the quality of the cinematography strikes me as something that could easily appear in a 2018 music video. It really felt – there's something crisp about the, about the, the, the shot. It's yeah. Some, just the composition was really – Indeed. Very good. Indeed. And it almost felt like it was out of some other film. Right. You know, not this like silly surfing bank robbery movie. It was like just the shot and the the length of it as it's zooming in and his like expression as he's gently rubbing her arm. Something about it feels like it comes from a much more Baroque dramatic film. Yeah. That is taking place off screen somewhere. Right. It, very memorable i liked it a lot yeah that was a great great scene yeah this is where though she invites him out to surf one more time with bodie and keanu reeves finally makes the connection Mm. bodie and his bros are the ex-presidents and i like that he finally figures it out on a moonshot Mm. it's the guy pulling his pants down and waving his butt that makes him finally realize, wait a second, ah. these might be my dudes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so he runs away to uh, tell tell Gary Busey all about it. Oh, I also want to mention, so uh, Bodie and Tyler are exes. Right. And I, I don't know if you noticed this, but I feel like, the fact that Bodhi is totally chill with his ex moving on to another guy is used as another way of showing just how zen and cool yes, he is. Absolutely. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, you can move on and still have a life after me, babe. It's fine. My God, he's like some kind of some kind of guru. He's he's so above it, you know. He's 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 quickly on to giving advice to the next guy. Yeah. 
Well, anyway, um, Gary Busey is not thrilled about Keanu's idea because the last time you had a feeling I had to kill a guy. <laughs> right. But they stake out a bank that they think the ex-presidents are going to rob. Uh, Gary Busey also reads Calvin and Hobbes, which is pretty dope. Yeah, and adds to the 90s effect. The The line is actually he's sitting in the car and he he's like, this Calvin and Hobbes is funny. Yeah. Calvin and Hobbes <laughs> is funny. It is. I mean, I would go so far as to say it's the greatest artistic achievement of our lifetime. That's a pretty bold statement. I mean, if you read the entire work that that guy put out from beginning to end and see its evolution and what he managed to accomplish within the limitations that were forced on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's just me, though. I mean, it's a beautiful series. Absolutely. So, uh, Ken Reeves is buying his uh, his partner uh, a, a pair of meatball subs, and you get the guys running into the bank, and that, like, behind Keanu Reeves run into the bank shot is pretty classic, pretty amusing. But they do notice, and Keanu Reeves starts chasing him. His gunplay is pretty good, I think. He looks, he you know, this goes back to John Wick. He's real natural with a gun. Mm-hmm. He looks. He looks like he actually knows how to use one of those. Yeah, things. that's right. He 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 plays the the gunslinging FBI agent and pretty he just well. Looks in confident these with it, like I believe he can shoot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, from the very beginning, we see him training, and he gets a hundred percent hit buy, rate in the in the. Uh, I buy that he. I, I at least buy that he'd be good at it. Yeah, yeah, it's believable. And we get we get a big car chase here. I have to point out. Uh, that so it's the 90s we have these boxy cars they're all boxy yeah Yeah. it's before that transition was made between boxy and streamlined Mm -hmm. but uh i just can't buy car chases with that boxy car look i mean some cars can pull it off like a dodge challenger or something like that right these these squared off sedans i can't my brain can't accept that they're moving fast. Yes. Or capable of moving fast. Right. They it just they seem like they're gonna move slow and the aerodynamic it's and, just not and, there. And just like I can't buy that they could make the turns. Right. Now, all of the sound effects that add to that like mental uh belief that there's actually a high speed chase going on, to me they they don't like sync right. Like I look at that car and I'm like, there's just no way that car could like squeal and you know room and do all those things it's just a piece of shit right <laughs> well and it turns out it's not up to the task anyway cuz they crash and um uh Bodhi takes an extra minute to torch the getaway car which looks cool and is a smart idea for getting i guess i don't know what the deal with dna was in 1991 but it gets rid of evidence but he waits too long and winds up in a foot race with Keanu Reeves. Mm. This is fucking awesome. Well, one, he put he starts off, first you have a burning car and then you get a burning man. He's yes, like that's fighting right. while on fire for a second, which, no fucking way. Yeah, it wouldn't happen, but it's a cool thing to have in your movie. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> fire hurts a lot, though. Mm. Um, I would dare say maybe even worse than a lawnmower to the face. <laughs> Lawnmower to face would be faster. Hmm. Yeah, burning to death is probably gonna have to be lower on the list. <sighs> All 
All right, let's think about something else. Let's think about <laughs> this this awesome foot chase, which again, by the way, not that expensive compared right. to a car chase. Right. But this is something I'd completely forgotten about this movie. Patrick Swayze throws a dog at Keanu Reeves, trying to get away from him. Keanu bursts out of a house and he's there to the side with a pit bull in his hand and he just chucks it at him. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I laughed just like that right. in the moment. I like I like barked myself out of laughter. <laughs> <laughs> but um finally they uh get to a isolated area and Keanu Reeves blows out his knee, the knee he injured in college football. Kept him from going pro. He yeah. re-injures it. He can't keep the chase going, so he draws down on Bodhi. He's got the drop on him. He can shoot him whenever he wants. And he just shoots into the air. While screaming. Yes. Drew, have you ever shot into the air whilst screaming? I wish I could say that I have. Seems like it's pretty cathartic, doesn't it? Yeah. Had you ever seen this scene before? No, I had Or reference to this scene before? Probably... I've probably seen some kind of thing parody it or... I, I mean, I would go so far as to say this scene is the most famous scene from this film. This is what everyone remembers about this movie. Mm. If they remember one thing, it's this. It's Keanu Reeves. He loves Bodhi too much. He can't bring himself to shoot him. So in his anguish, he fires his entire clip into the air. Just... Yeah! <laughs> ah! He does that final extra little yeah at the end <laughs> the second one yeah when he finally runs out oh it's so good <laughs> anyway the jig is up and Bodie and crew know that johnny utah is an fbi an fbi agent and um they have a little midnight powwow about it Bodie's like it's cool you guys we can handle this what are the guys though I feel like there's someone like this in every movie where there's one person who's the only one having a proper reaction to what's going on. Yeah. He's like, Booty, maybe this is a game for you, but this is real life. I'm scared. Yeah. He actually says it like that. And he's right. He's like, I am afraid because this is serious shit. The FBI has infiltrated us. And they, Bodhi's all Bodhisattva about it. You this know. is not a time for your bullshit, Bodhi. Come on, it's all good, man. No, it's not. It's not all good, Bodhi. I want to run away right now. Mm -hmm. But he can't bring himself to do it. No. So they go in for one last score, and they decide to bring Johnny with them. But before they can do that, Johnny's got one more bad thing that has to happen to him. This is when Tyler... Uh, yeah. Reveals that she she figures, she's, it, out. figures it out, and yeah. uh, she she essentially runs out on him. Well, I mean, when she asks him if his parents really died, and she's drawn a it, gun on him. Yeah. Well, yes, she has drawn a gun on him. But I was also just going to say, you see that realization that he lied to her, hit her like a ton of bricks, and it's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, you knew that was going to come back to haunt him. Of course, you don't go for a a diabolical lie like that and it not come back to you yeah so she runs away and he uh he tries calling her he keeps getting her answering machine and apologizing on it over and over uh this is where i felt like keanu reeves at least young keanu reeves he has a 
voice that is uniquely well suited to making apologies. Mm. Tyler, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know. It just it sounds right coming from him. Oh, oh, I have to I have to mention this too. We both thought of this. Bodie's bullshit that he's spouting instead of doing the logical thing and getting the fuck out of there. He says, "No, no. We do this because it's how we show people that the human spirit is still alive." We show those people inching down the freeway in their metal coffins that the human spirit lives. <laughs> and I was as one of those like walking corpses in my metal coffin every morning. Ouch. Yeah. I I mean, damn. It stings. It stings because it's partially true. Oh, it's not partially true. It's all. It stings because I know it's way true. Mm. Tyler is run off and Bodie and crew pick up uh, Keanu Reeves. And decide to take him skydiving. Yay! And we already talked about what a cool scene it is. It's a great scene. We didn't talk about the fact that, uh, well, this is the final skydiving scene. This is the first skydiving scene. Yeah. So let's, let's, we'll get to that later. Okay. Um, the, the scene's beautiful, and it's just another thing the movie does to make itself memorable without doing something that's necessarily that, like, expensive. Yeah. You know? It's just throw some skydiving in there and shoot it really well and make it seem really, you know, emotionally fulfilling. <laughs> 55 jumps. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, And then after the skydiving, they reveal that they've kidnapped Tyler and their buddy uh, Pig. Is that the name of the guy who has him? Anyway, he's going to cut her throat if they don't reach drop point in time and they're going to make Keanu Reeves help them in one last bank robbery they go on one last bank robbery and everything goes wrong because Bodhi at the last second loses the discipline that has availed him so well so far and decides to hit the vault why does he decide to hit the vault we don't we don't really get an explanation right it's just kind of a reckless gamble yeah I mean, I guess it's because he's an adrenaline junkie, just like Tyler describes him as. Yeah. But, you know, he's been so in control so far, even to the point of taking the fact that uh, the FBI has figured them out and getting Johnny Utah under control. And then he blows it at the last second by doing something so reckless. Now, he's already on a reckless kick, right? He knows there's an FBI in his cr- FBI agent in his crew. And he's he's just kind of choosing to believe that it's fine and they can just continue. Well, so, no, 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 no. He's not doing nothing. He got the FBI agent under control by kidnapping, by kidnapping his girlfriend. His girlfriend you yeah. Know? yeah, I suppose that's true. So yeah. in point of fact, he's actually been totally in control in and control like the methodical whole yeah, the whole time. You're right. This This going for the vault at the last second is like the first and totally out of character act of recklessness. Except and he's for breaking the, his own rule. Exactly. The only thing that explains it is that it is in his character to need to feed on that adrenaline. He's on the edge. He needs that extra thrill. Yeah. He can't leave well enough alone. Yep. So that proves to be a fatal error because it leaves enough time for a cop who's in the crowd to grab his gun and start shooting and tons of people go down. Yep. 
the survivors get away and John Utah is not among them. He gets arrested by the rest of the FBI and they're all treating him like you fucking asshole. You just robbed a bank and killed all these people yourself. And I'm like, dude, is it that far fetched that he was under duress? Yeah, come on. I mean, yeah. Come you know, he, he's been undercover for all this time. He's an FBI agent. Yeah. Like he's not going to just rob a bank. He's we, everyone knows that he likes these guys and he couldn't bring himself to kill them, so maybe he's lost some objectivity, but he's not going to just up and rob a bank. No. Come on. Regardless, that's what they think. So Gary Busey's like, I'll drive them in. But they don't. They go to cut them off at the airport, and that's where, sad to say, Gary Busey bites it. I forgot that he dies. Yeah. It's so sad. At that point, I mean, I know some randos have died, and like the junior less important members of Bodie's crew have had some casualties. Yeah. But Gary Busey dying is where Bodie has truly crossed the line. Yes, that's right. He's, and I know he's yeah. kidnapped Tyler and that's horrific too, but she actually hasn't been killed. So That's right. And I'm we not... don't we you know, we we have high hopes for her eventual rescue. It's true. Although <laughs> it, it does say something, the fact that like Bodie could be so up on his own bullshit that uh Tyler is kidnapped and under threat of death and certainly having a pretty shitty traumatizing experience and yet he's still spouting to Keanu Reeves, hey man, I hate having to do this. I hate violence. Like, I don't want this. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, buddy. Oh, man. Take a hard look in the mirror sometime. Yeah. Busey dies and so Bodhi takes Johnny onto the plane and they fly off to Mexico. They jump out of the plane and leave Keanu behind. And that's when, Drew, do you want to describe what happens next? Yeah, so um, we we learn that uh, Bodhi is, uh, Bodhi chooses not to give the order to uh, stand down from uh, offing Tyler, even though, you know, he should by way of promise because Johnny has done as he's been asked. Well, he's waiting to get onto the ground to say it himself. Right. You know, he could have done it from the air, but he decides not to and jumps. And that delay is just killing Johnny. Right. And, well, and Johnny jumps after him with no parachute on, which is badass as fuck. Yeah, dude. That scene with him uh, jumping out of the plane just bare, just in his clothes. I mean... And he's jumping after um, Bodhi. Yeah. Bodhi's jumped out of the plane. Johnny's up in the plane with no parachute. Bodhi thinks he's gotten away. But motherfucking Johnny Utah right picks up a gun, says fuck, and jumps out of that fucking airplane. What a psycho. It's awesome. It's so cool. And he, he does indeed catch him midair. Yep. And again, talk about finding a moment to make your movie memorable. Yeah. Have your guy jump out of a plane with no parachute. Great. Yeah. And so then, though, Bodhi, not to be outdone, tells Johnny that he's not going to pull the ripcord on the parachute to let the parachute out. Johnny has to drop the gun and do it himself, or they're both going to die. And so this game of chicken ensues, and Johnny blinks. He pulls the ripcord. And has to let the gun go in the process. That's right. They crash to the ground, and Johnny fucks his knee up again. And Bodhi's able to get away. But 
he lets Tyler go. So, you know, didn't get his guy, but at least Tyler is safe. And that's when it crossed my mind yet again that this is his first case (laughs) ever. (laughs) Holy shit. Are they all going to be like this? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And so then we get the epilogue, which is... We're off in Australia. Uh, Bodhi has previously been talking about this once every 50 years swell, right? Where some storm out of Antarctica causes waves in the Pacific that are the biggest and best and greatest waves you can ever possibly surf. And Johnny Utah, being a good cop, realized that that wherever those waves are, that's where I can find Bodhi. And he's right. Finds him on the beach. They have one last fight. I actually thought the last fight was kind of unnecessary. Yeah. I was, I was like, I don't know, like, there have been enough fights, like, this is just the final, like, you know, final moment, they can just... They can skip this part. Yeah, yeah. let's, 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 this has been a two-hour movie, guys, let's, let's start to wrap let's this Let's wrap up it now. up. Yeah. Johnny captures Bodhi, clicks a handcuffs Handcuff onto on. him, and yeah. onto himself, so he's stuck, but Bodhi appeals to just a fellow traveler of the waves, man. He talks to him soul to soul. And he says, I'll die in a cage. And you know Bodhi would. So he asks for permission to just take one last ride. Yep. And permission is granted. So with the other FBI arriving onto the scene to find Johnny without his uh, handcuffed perp on his side, they ask him why they've uh, why he's released them says not to worry, he's he's not going to get away, but that he won't be coming back. He's not coming back. Yeah. And so, remember, you said that you predicted someone would die in the water. Yes. So, technically, that prediction totally came true, but uh, when I, the reason I didn't think of this moment when we were talking about predictions is because in my mind, what I was envisioning was more like Gary Busey's death. Sure, if it sure. had happened in the water with Johnny holding him in his arms and screaming, no, you know, on the on the coat on the shore there yeah, with yeah, the yeah. waves. Crashing I see what in. you're saying. That's more yeah. the kind of moment I was I was envisioning. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, we we still get a, a pure Keanu moment. And this is another moment where I thought we we're getting bad Keanu, where his last thing that he says to the retreating Bodhi is via con Dios. Via con Dios. <laughs> oh yeah, he pronounces it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as the music starts to play, he walks off the beach and he chucks his badge into the ocean. He's done with the FBI. He's, done. he's not a square anymore. He just wants to surf, brah. He says he's still surfing every day. Yep. Yeah. And so that's the end of point break. So Drew, before we get into how you ultimately felt about it, let's talk a little bit about how it did. So, this movie had a budget of $24 million. What do you think its box office was? $200 million. Fuck no. It made $83.5 million worldwide. Okay. Still a respectable number. Yes, it is. $200 million would have been amazing. Yeah. Um, it opened second in the box office behind Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Oh, Directed well. by James Cameron. Yes. So, he won... The opening fight but she got her revenge 20 years later wow look at that yeah 
Although James Cameron produced this movie, so I guess he sort of, in his way, had the number one and number two movies at the box office. That yeah, yeah, the diverse portfolio. Sure. Um, so, uh, critical reception-wise, this movie has a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. That's critics, though. The audience score is 79%. Hmm. Uh, reviews at the time, they were mixed, but like on the positive end of mixed. So you get Roger Ebert. He gave the movie three and a half stars out of four. And he said, uh, uh, Catherine Bigelow is an interesting director for this material. She's interested in the ways her characters live dangerously for philosophical reasons. They aren't men of action, but men of thought who choose action as a way of expressing their beliefs. Hmm. Very uh, trenchant observation. And I think it goes a long way towards explaining what makes this movie a little different from your run-of-the-mill actioner. You know, the bad guys have a little more depth. Yeah. They're appealing in their way. That's right. Yeah. Um, Janet Maslin of the New York Times praised Keanu's performance. She said, a lot of the snap comes surprisingly from Mr. Reeves, who displays considerable discipline and range. He moves easily between the buttoned-down demeanor that suits a police procedural story and the loose-jointed manner of his comic roles. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. right. Sure. Hal Henson of the Washington Post, on the other hand, said the movie was an exercise in stylish lunkheadedness. It's gorgeous, but dumb as a post. Uh, Watching it is a bit like shooting the tube and then getting cracked on the head by your board. This, there's, this reminds me of McKinley's line. McGinley. McGinley, excuse Say me. Say it right. Say it right. McGinley's line to... Uh, Get it right Johnny. or pay the price. Get it right or pay the price. It's Camp Ottawana. It's I, I hope we never part. Get it right or pay the price. Get it right or pay the price. McGinley's character tells Johnny uh, in the first scene they're interacting that uh, he's young, dumb, and full of cum. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he does. <laughs> that line. It takes a John McGinley to pull that line off. Yes, This is why I'm saying he's so great. Yes. <laughs> uh, you can't just get any man off the street to deliver a line like that. No. And make it sing. Yeah, no, it was beautiful. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm glad you reminded me that that happened. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, anyway, just lastly, talking a little bit about legacy. The scene where Johnny jumps after Bodhi without the parachute was ranked number seven by Empire Magazine on the list of top ten crazy action sequences. Cool. Totally. Uh, that scene was tested on Mythbusters. Specifically, they wanted to see would they have been able to fall for that long? And would that have actually been able to happen where the two of them like come together and uh you know survive basically so what they determined because both in in both the skydiving sequences they're in the air for like so fucking long yeah that, that is unrealistic like okay the the scenes are like 10 minutes each you know like you don't fall for that long okay you get some you get a few minutes but not not that many minutes i see but anyway so mythbusters tested the scene they determined that uh, Johnny and Bodhi would not have been able to be in free fall for 90 seconds, which is what it is. All right, so I exaggerated a little bit. But 90 seconds, okay. Uh, they would not have been able to have a conversation in midair. However, it was determined that by uh, putting his body right and making it streamlined, 
Johnny could conceivably have caught up to Bodhi after yeah. Bodhi jumped first. Right. So, yeah. Uh, other references um, in the Avengers and the MCU, Tony Stark calls Thor Point Break a bunch because of Thor's uh, long, lanky, blonde hair. Oh. Makes him look like an extra from Point Break. <laughs> there are a lot of references to this movie in the film Hot Fuzz. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that, but of course I, I wouldn't have picked up on the references. Well, maybe we should watch it again. I would be into that. You busy later? I don't think I am. All right, well, are we going to watch uh, Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz? Oh, man. I don't know if I can decide. Probably Hot Fuzz. I think I've seen... Oh, no, 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 no. I'm saying decide which one we watch first. Oh. Anyway, last thing. In 2015, they made a remake of this movie. And it sucked. So, <laughs> Drew, finally here at the end. What did you think of Point Break? I enjoyed it. Very concise. Thank you, Drew. And we will catch you next. No, uh, please, please go on. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, as I mentioned, as we opened this portion of the cast, my expectations were exceeded. And... I found this to be a thoroughly enjoyable, absolutely 90s-style action flick mm -hmm. that delivered a little something interesting and unique in the characters and the style. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it and definitely think that uh, it was better having seen it late. All right. So you're going to say that presented with the option of better late or never, you think that your life is improved, your filmic ovoir is enhanced by having seen this film. I am glad I saw it, yeah. Alright, alright. Well, that's that for Point Break. Drew, it was great, as always, having you on the podcast. Thanks, Dave, this was great. And uh, I'll catch you next time. If you would like to contact us here at the podcast... Please email at betterlatethanneverpod at gmail.com, or you can tweet at betterlate underscore pod. And Drew, just one last thing I want to say to you, man. Vaya con Dios. 27. Have you ever seen Point Break? No. Amazing bit in Point Break where they jump over fences. Is that no? 29. That's way he's just robbed this bank. Keanu Reeves is chasing him through people's gardens. And he goes to shoot Swayze, but he can't because he loves him so much. And he's firing his gun up in the air. He's like, oh. Seriously. Have you ever fired your gun up in the air and gone, ah? No, I have not ever fired my gun up in the air and gone, ah. <laughs>